0: The following audio is from LifeHouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at LifeHouseChurch.org. What do you think when someone says to you, hey, everything is gonna be okay, especially when you're walking through some really difficult crisis or tragedy and you're not quite sure everything's gonna be Okay. I mean, are you suddenly inspired? Are you suddenly um, encouraged? Where you go, oh, I had no idea. Thank you for that. Man, now I know everything's gonna work out. Now, we, we do this even within church and Christian context. We just say it a little differently. We say things like, oh, God's got that. Or ah, everything's under control. You know, you can trust God with that. And, and it's the same idea. Really, what it comes down to is we don't know what to say. So we just say cheap cliches, and it really is about making us feel better than about making the other person who's going through the crisis feeling better, because at least we have something to say, because there are some situations when you don't know if everything's going to be okay, and when you look back on the situation, everything wasn't okay, because things don't always work out Okay. That's a dark way to start out a sermon, um, but, let, but let's be honest, right? Like, I mean, all across those in this room, those joining us online, I mean, we can acknowledge that for two years, we've walked through crisis after crisis, and it's all, it's all not just on the news. Some of it was in your own family, your own home, in your neighborhood, in your classroom, Parents, you get this, right? At some point, there was a situation that was beyond your control and everything wasn't gonna be okay. Maybe like me, you've held one of your children in the ER and you're not sure if anything's gonna work out okay or you couldn't hold one of your kids in the NICU. Or maybe you got a frightening phone call and you're not quite sure or you weren't quite sure everything was gonna work out all right. I remember running to my next door neighbor's house. They called me screaming. Their father had fallen. So I ran over there and I grabbed him in my arms as he's bleeding. And they're yelling at me. Pray for him. Pray for him. I'm thinking to myself, I am praying for him. Um but what they wanted was for me to say a quick prayer and say everything's gonna be okay. everything wasn't gonna be okay. I did his funeral. Um, Christmas Day, I got a call from my, one of my other brothers that my oldest brother had passed out, and they called the EMT and they were working on him. Well, when you get a call like that, you're like, well, "Oh, if he passed out, just..." Wake, you know, be fine, everything's, you know, put, a, put one of those salts in his nose and it'll, it'll pop right back up. And then a few minutes later, I get a phone call, your brother's dead, right? Like, like it's not always okay. And what, here's what we want. We want temporary solutions for permanent problems. We want quick fixes. We want somebody to say, everything's gonna be okay. And then what we long for is some fountain of youth that takes away these temporary aches and pains and lets us just live longer or live forever in, dare I say it, this miserable place. I mean, at the end of the day, right, there have been books written and there have been movies made about that idea of what if we all live forever in this place? I don't know if that would be a great gift. So what do we really want? What do we really want? What do we really need? I love this picture of a doctor investigating the life of Jesus. This physician did some investigative research on the life and work of Jesus and then wrote a volume, an entire historical book about Jesus' life. It's actually included in the Bible. Pretty cool, right? Uh, It's called the Gospel of Luke. Luke was a physician. Now, 2,000 years ago, a, you know, an ancient physician, but nonetheless, a physician who you know, spent his life and livelihood helping treat people physically in whatever means he could. And then he heard about Jesus. And then he wrote about Jesus because he became a follower of Jesus because he just saw that the way Jesus treated people was different than the way he could treat people. And so in the gospel of Luke, you turn to chapter five and you get a story of a very desperate, everything is not going to be okay situation. The story is set while Jesus is teaching. So let me just jump in. It's found in the gospel of Luke chapter five. One day Jesus was teaching and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. So there was like these religious people that came from all over the place to come hear Jesus preach and teach. And they all uh, had pushed themselves into this very crowded single family home. But in Palestine, a single family home or a single, it would be a single room home, uh, not really that big, probably the size of like your living room. And you figure out how many people could you crowd into there? I mean, they're standing shoulder to shoulder. People are just forced in there. But it's interesting. Luke writes very specifically that these these Pharisees and teachers of the law had crowded themselves in, and listen to what they're doing. They're sitting while Jesus is serving. They're judging while Jesus joins in other people's pain. They're labeling while Jesus is loving, and and, you know, like you kind of get this contrast between what Jesus is doing and what they're doing. They're watching while Jesus is working. And it's just a quick caution that in desperate situations, there's always a group of people, of religious people often, who, because they're trying to earn their way and deserve their way to God, they have a tendency to watch while others work and judge while others join in the pain of those around them. They're quicker to label than to love. And so just it's a quick caution to examine our own hearts to see if we're part Pharisee. If we have a tendency to sit rather than serve and label rather than love, let's keep reading. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. There was something supernatural in the air. Maybe you have felt that before. Maybe you felt it this morning. There was just some sense that something supernatural could happen and would happen. God' spirit was present to do miracles. And so desperate times call for desperate measures. Some men, <clears throat> excuse me, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up to the roof and lowered him on a mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. So um, there's two groups of people in this story. You have the religious sitters and the crazy radical friends. These religious sitters, they, they watch while Jesus works And others are trying to get close. And they're not only sitting, but they're actually in the way doing nothing. It's a desperate situation when a paralyzed man needs a miracle. And the power of God is present to give a miracle. But these guys can't get to Jesus because there's a bunch of people in the way. And they're in the way because of their religion. They have a, there's a few characteristics of these kind of people, and I'm saying this not so you can point fingers, but so you can examine your own heart and say, hey, do I have a tendency to be a little bit like this? First characteristic of these kind of people is they, have a, they like to say that God won't or God doesn't. God won't heal him. God doesn't do that anymore. And they've studied the scripture and they can prove with their theology that that's not how God works today. And the the key to them is that they rob other people of the confidence and the faith that God can do something impossible. And when you get around these kind of people, you believe just a little bit less in the power of God. And that's what they were doing. They were standing in the way of people getting to Jesus. But not only do they rob people of faith, because they say God won't, or God can't, or God doesn't. They also have a tendency to be hypocrites because they try to tell people how to live, but they don't live it themselves. They point fingers in judgment, but they don't lift a hand to help. So they're hypocrites. Not only are they hypocrites, but they're often uncaring. They don't care enough to get involved in the pains and the problems of the people around them. And then finally, you can usually pick these people out because they are joyless and miserable. Look, when you spend your life trying to earn your way to God or deserve your way into heaven, you're constantly trying to be good enough for God, guess what you feel? Like you're not good enough. And when you don't feel good enough, you feel miserable. And so they, don't, they can't remember the last time they laughed. Definitely they can't remember the last time they laughed in church and so you have this group of people and then you have another group of people the kind of friends that see their paralyzed buddy and they grab his bed and they begin to drag him to jesus i don't know about you i don't know if you have any friends like that those are the, those are my kind of friends who here's what you notice about these kind of friends they're desperate enough to do whatever it takes to get their friend in front of jesus to the extent that they're willing to make a mess. In, a palace, in, a, in an ancient Palestinian home, it was, like I said, it was one room. And uh, as a result, right, you have one floor and then you have a flat roof. And the, the flat roof would have had wood beams going across it. And then across those beams, they would have laid palm fronds. And then they would have packed mud or tile on top of that. And so it would have baked in the sun. And there's a stairwell on the outside of the, of the house to get up on the roof. And so that basically, they walk up and they see just the room, the, this house is packed with people. They can't get him through it. And so they just go up the, stair, the stairwell on the outside. And they, they kind of judge. I think Jesus is right over there. So they go out on the roof. And then just start yanking tiles. Now, you gotta appreciate Jesus because I, I feel like I can relate to this moment. You know, there's like maybe a baby in the back just crying at the top of their lungs. And, you know, but you're the mom or dad and you don't wanna miss the rest of this amazing sermon. And so you're there trying to hold your baby and, and I'm just gonna keep on going. You wanna know why? Because I got little kids. It's probably mine. All right, so if you're in church and you hear a loud baby, just it's probably Matthew. So just, or Caleb's, so just ignore him, all right? We don't mind a bit. That's Jesus. You got chunks of concrete falling from the ceiling. And Jesus is like, yeah, just ignore that. Don't worry about it. You know, you know what he's really thinking? Don't worry about it. There's a miracle about to happen. There's a moment that's about to go down that's gonna change this experience. And there was faith enough in that place to change a man's life. Here's what I know. I know that when desperate people do desperate things, God shows up. Your desperation is by design. I'm not saying God caused the situation, but God can work through that situation and use your desperation that is by design to get you in front of Jesus. Maybe your your desperation is for someone else. The desperation you feel is by design to get them in front of Jesus. And when people who are desperate get in front of Jesus, things happen. (laughs) When desperate people meet Jesus, when we desperately meet Jesus, life change happens. I hope you make note of that. Please let that settle in your heart. When we desperately meet Jesus, life change happens. What may be separating you from the life change you need is desperation. It could be that the situation needs to get a little more desperate for you to get yourself in front of Jesus. Maybe what's keeping your friend from meeting Jesus is that you get a little bit more desperate for your friend to meet Jesus. What this man needed And his friends thought he needed was a healing of his paralysis. But Jesus saw through that situation to recognize that he needed something more. What he needed was life change. As you read the rest of the story, you get this sense that the reason this man is paralyzed is because of something he did wrong. I don't know if he was riding his motorcycle a little too fast on the highway and he wrecked it because he was not following the law and it caused his paralysis. I don't know if he, was, he, got, he got in an accident, DUI, but it was clearly something he did wrong, and it got him paralyzed. Maybe his friends were there, and they feel a little bit guilty as a result of it, but there's some blame, and there's some fault here, and he, meaning his life isn't just a mess. He made a mess of his life, and so, you get this picture that if Jesus healed his paralysis, about a month later, his friends would be dragging him by the mat right back in front of Jesus. Uh, Jesus, he did it again. And then a month later, guess where they would be again? And so there's this sense that the problem isn't the paralysis, but something deeper. And in your life, the problem isn't just paralysis, it's something deeper. Every one of us have a deeper inner spiritual paralysis that causes other problems and pain in our life. I'm not saying all the pain in our life is caused by this. I'm not even saying most of the pain is caused by that. What I am saying is that there is some mess that you and I have made of our lives. There's some mess that we're to blame. And Jesus wants to deal with that kind of mess. But he knows that he can't just clean up the mess because we'll make another mess. I don't need to go into a story about my kids. I know that I'm good enough to make a mess of my life and keep making messes. And so Jesus wants to deal with what makes the mess, not just clean up the mess. So what does he do? He looks at this man who just got lowered through a hole that his friends made in the roof. They drop him in front of Jesus, and Jesus looks at the man, and he says this. When Jesus saw their faith, how does he see their faith? Well, when a group of friends rip open the roof of a home and they drop their buddy in front of Jesus, that's faith. You can see it. What he saw was the desperation to get someone in front of Jesus. When you get desperate enough to get yourself in front of Jesus, that's visible faith. When when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Jesus dealt with a thing that makes messes. See, every one of us have a spiritual paralysis that makes messes in our life. It separates us from relationship with God. It sets us off on a life course toward ruin, toward making messes of our life and others' lives. And it leads toward a forever far from God. And so you know what God did? You're going to like this. God looked down from heaven and he began to tear open the tiles of heaven. He he tore through the roof of the sky and he came down. He descended into our space, into the single room of earth. He became present among us and then he died in our place. He took on all of our shame and all of our guilt. All of the mess-making junk that lives inside of us, he took it out of you and he put it on himself and he died in our place. Yeah, he took your mess maker, and he was willing to let a mess be made of his physical life, and he died in our place on our behalf, absorbing our judgment, our shame, our guilt, our sin, our eternal death sentence, and he died in our place once for all, so anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven and given new and forever life. How? Because he not only died in our place, he rose again victorious victorious over that mess making sin victorious over the judgment of sin and eternal death so anyone who believes in Jesus is not just forgiven but given new and forever life Here, here's what i know that when you believe in Jesus by faith right like life change spiritually is better everybody say better, better. all right those of you online Right now, be a little more ruckus. In your own home, I care if your family member's in the bathroom, scare them. Say better. Better. (laughs) Say "Better." better. All right. Life change spiritually is better than healing physically. That's tough. That's tough. When you're looking for a miracle physically, when it's your family member that has the diagnosis, when you get the phone call, That's scary, because that takes faith. It takes faith to believe that the greatest problem is the mess maker in me, not just the mess around me or the mess that I'm feeling. But Jesus made it clear that life change spiritually is better than anything you've had before. What you want is to go back to what you had before, which is health. I want to go back to the way it was before the diagnosis, before the cancer, before the paralysis, before COVID. Just get me back to the way it was before. But Jesus always does something better than before because the best thing in your life is not living longer or living healthier or longevity here on earth. The best thing is a life change that happens spiritually. And so what Jesus gives is something better. And what you and I need is a God who would tear open the roof of our lives. Tear open, he would break through the barrier between heaven and earth and come down to heal us spiritually, to give us life change. And when you believe in Jesus by faith, that's exactly what happens. And it's better than longevity. It's better than physical health. It's better than just feeling good on earth. It's better than not having any more back pains. That took you way too long to get out of bed this morning. It's better... So right now, whatever mess you've made of your life, whatever you're going through, whatever crisis you've been through, I promise you, life change happens through faith in Jesus. And maybe right now, you're ready to take that step of faith and say yes to Jesus. Can I encourage you? Would you take a step? Maybe it's your faith. Maybe there's somebody sitting next to you who got you here. Maybe there's somebody online. Maybe they they got you to turn it on online and you're with us right now. And it's their faith that brought you in front of Jesus. Here's what I know. (laughs) Let your desperation be the kind of thing that moves you to get in front of Jesus. God is ready to do a miracle, but he uses your faith to get you to a place where you're ready to receive it. He'll use the faith of a friend to get you in front of Jesus. Either way, you're in front of Jesus now. Would you say yes to Jesus? Would you receive this by faith in Jesus? Forgiveness of sins, new life. And if you're making that commitment, would you let us know? This is a desperate moment. Pull out your phone and say, I- I'm gonna say, ye- I'm not only saying yes to Jesus, but I'm gonna let us know that I'm saying yes to Jesus. And so send us a text. Text the name Jesus to 81411. Now, maybe you're sitting next to someone who's making that commitment or they need to make that commitment. So you elbow them a little bit, be gentle. Um, elbow, grab their phone and you send the text. I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to help you take this next step. So you're texting Jesus to 81411. Because desperate people do whatever it takes to get anyone and everyone in front of Jesus. That's what I want to challenge you. Be the kind of desperate people that will do anything and everything to get yourself in front of Jesus and get others in front of Jesus. And the key here is that the most significant thing that could happen is life change spiritually. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus is like, you think? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? You get what Jesus is driving at, right? He's saying, you think it's a big deal for the creator of the universe to recreate broken legs? The God who created everything to to fix disease, that's not that difficult. But to heal a human heart, to heal the spiritual paralysis, this is gonna take my life on a cross. Jesus knew the cost of what was coming Which do you think is easier? Because from my perspective, I'm about to go to the cross to pay the penalty for sin and eternal judgment. You tell me which is harder. Jesus was making it a point that the greatest miracle you'll ever experience is life change in your heart. And the greatest miracle you'll ever see is when someone's spiritual life is changed. You are a miracle waiting to happen. You're a miracle waiting to happen. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately. There wasn't some long healing process. There wasn't a big recovery process. He said immediately, the man stood up in front of them Right there in that packed room with concrete, mud, dirt, a few palm fronds on the ground, he stood up right there, took what he had been laying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. What had they seen that was remarkable? Life change. Spiritual life change, a man forgiven. But Jesus wanted to make sure that there was faith in that space to believe that he could heal, he could forgive sins. And so you know what he did? He healed a body. The man's physical healing was a sign that God is able to forgive sin. There's something interesting about this because God could heal every ailment. God could restore everyone from paralysis. He could, he could in an instant cast out every disease, but he doesn't. But in a few moments, in a few instances, God shows up and shows off so that those in the room go, wow, if he could do that, he could heal my heart. He could forgive my sin. See, life change will change you physically. Life change changes you physically. So let me, let me unpack this for a moment. When you believe in Jesus by faith and your sins are forgiven and the way you are living begins to change, that will change you physically. For some of you, before you believed in Jesus and before you experienced life change, you had a certain lifestyle that made you look a certain way or act a certain way. But when you believe in Jesus by faith and life change happens in your heart, It begins to change your behaviors. Addictions will make you look a certain way. But when you've experienced life change and those addiction strongholds begin to be broken, your look begins to change. See, life change will change you physically. We also believe this, because in this room, (laughs) there's no room for religious people who are hypocrites and careless and joyless and believe that God can't or won't. We believe God can and he does. He can and he cares. We believe. (laughs) We believe that the son of God made a hole in heaven so he could come down to transform our lives that when Jesus died on the cross, he died to pay a price for our ultimate healing. And your ultimate healing is waiting for you in heaven where there is no more sorrow and no more sickness, no more tears, no more back aches, no more paralysis, no more cancer, no more COVID. You'll be free forever. And that ultimate healing is waiting for you. It's already paid in full. I mean, the hospital bill is paid off. Everything is waiting for you. But what we do when we pray is we say this. God, I ask that you take a little bit of what is waiting for me in heaven and bring it down right now. When, I, when, when as pastors we pray, when, when our prayer team prays for some, you know what we pray? God, would you take a little bit of what already is paid for and waiting for us in heaven and would you make it present right now? Put a little hole in heaven. And pour it through that hole into our lives right now. Because we believe in miracles. We believe that God can and he does, that he can and he cares. So why does he and doesn't he? Sometimes you need a little bit of help to unpack this. And so let me give that to you really briefly. This is why God does or doesn't. Because every moment of healing is about God showing that he can do a healing in our hearts any healing that God is going to do in someone's physical life is only intended to create faith to believe that he can do it in our hearts. If he is gonna heal someone's financial situation, it is only so that they trust God for eternity. If he is gonna heal someone's mind, it's so that he can heal their soul. If he is going to heal someone's physical body, it's to stir faith in the crowd to go, I can heal and forgive sins. See, God's ultimate goal is life change spiritually. What God is about is redemption, the story of rescuing us from the ultimate curse of sin. So when you and I pray, what we pray is God, I trust you that you know best what's gonna lead others to you. I believe that if you heal this person, that would would stir life change. I believe that if you heal this sickness, if you heal this disease, if you heal these legs, if you heal this paralysis, that that would bring about life change. But God, I trust you because I also know that sometimes it's our suffering, it's our grieving that points others to Jesus. We can grieve with hope. We can hurt with hope we can suffer physically in hope and that brings others to Jesus you see what it, so now it's about trusting that God has our ultimate healing in heaven and he does his, he does what is ultimately for our good he does what is best and good always and the only thing we do is trust him there are some of you here you're walking through a crisis physically right now whether it's financially you need healing financially. Something going on in your mind or your emotions. Something going on in your physical body. Or you have someone that you love very much, a friend, a close family member who's hurting right now. And and you have just enough faith to pray for them to be healed or for you to be healed. But when you pray, you trust. In, in this space right now, now we have people online that want to pray with you if you're, you're asking for prayer right now. We have a prayer team on either side of the stage and in the back of the room. Maybe you don't feel comfortable coming up, so you're willing to go back. You get out of your seat. and You be that kind of person that, man, I don't necessarily want to see anybody dragging someone. Like if, if you're surrounded by four guys and they're picking up your chair and they're carrying you, fine, we'll pray for you. But here's the thing. Maybe you just need someone to pray with you and for you for healing. As we go into this next segment of service, you pray. You ask for prayer. And I wanna take a moment, I wanna pray over you right now. Jesus, (laughs) thank you that you were willing to tear a hole in heaven and come down to us. God, I thank you that it's our desperation that puts us and others in front of you. So God, right now, I pray that you would forgive sins. That you would do miracles, that life change would happen here, right now, in this moment. Lord, I'm also believing that you begin to, through faith, heal finances. God, that you begin to set people free of of stuff that's going on in their mind that is wreaking havoc in their lives. God, I pray that you begin to heal the emotions of people's lives that have been traumatized. And Lord, I pray by faith that you begin to heal bodies. that God, that you begin to set people free of sickness. You begin to heal disease. God, that you begin to heal physical things that are going on in this place and in those people that are online. God, that they would experience physical healing but God we trust you we know that ultimate healing is waiting for us in heaven and we're asking that a little bit of what is in heaven would come down right now but God we ask it by faith trusting you knowing that you do what is best and you always do what is good so we ask this by faith believing in Jesus name Amen Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church We believe that through Christ life change happens here So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.